have your Bible this morning, turn again to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Lord willing, next Sunday we will conclude our study through the book of Philippians. But for today, I want to ask you to turn with me to a passage we have been looking at the last two or three weeks together. Entitled the series that we have been discussing, Philippians 4 and verses 10 down to verse 19. The blessing of giving and receiving. And I want to come back to that subject to you this morning as we're going to look again at just two of the verses in this passage. Before doing that, let me read to you beginning in verse 10 where he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma in an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Beloved, before we look at the two verses, I want us to consider this morning about the blessing, of how it is it is a blessing for us to give in the church I want to remind us of two very important principles, and is this. One, that money and our giving is a heart issue. It's an eternal matter. Remember Jesus over in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, if you recall, he said these words in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So money and our giving and how we use the money that God provides for us is a hard issue. It's an eternal matter before the Lord. But not only is it a heart and eternal matter, as I thought about this and was reminded of what the Apostle Paul says over in 1 Timothy in chapter 6, where he's left Timothy there to lead the church there at Ephesus, he also reminds us that money is a pastoral matter. It is a pastoral matter. It is something that a pastor is to instruct the people of God about. As he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God 
who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is life indeed. It's a lot of giving. Giving that we do personally here in the church Giving that we do even as a church, as a whole, and those missionaries and those people that we support with the gospel. It says something about our lives. It is a hard issue. It is an eternal matter. It is a pastoral matter. And as we're going to look at a couple of verses here in Philippians 4, I want us to see how it is that our giving to the church and our giving as a church is a blessing. It is a blessing in this sense, in these two regards. One, when we give, and when you give, you are working with others in the church for the gospel. And secondly, when you give, and when we give, even as a church, it is an act of worship. We are worshiping with others here in the church when we give to the cause of of Christ. I want you to see these things as we look here in Philippians 4. I want you to see them in verse 14 and I want you to see them in verse 18. And verse 14 is where I want us to see that our giving is one of the ways that we work together here in the church for the cause of the gospel. Paul here has been encouraging them, rejoicing in the Lord about their reviving their concern for him. As we looked at last time together, we saw that Paul wanted them to be very clear that this was not about him. This was not about him thinking that they had not provided for him in an adequate way. He has said, you have more than met my needs. And I am also content in Christ whatever the circumstances I find myself, whether I have abundance or I'm suffering in need, I have found my joy, my satisfaction in Christ. He goes on to say there in verse 13, I prevail in all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet Paul doesn't want them to misunderstand what he's saying. So in verse 14 he says, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. The key word there is the word share. It's the same word that he has used previously in this epistle and it's used in other places where it is translated as fellowshipping or partnering or participating with. So Paul says you have done well to Share with me, participate with me, really partner with me in the ministry. This is how he's wanting to get across to them. You are working with me in the ministry of the gospel through this financial gift that you have sent to me through Epaphroditus. Working with him, partnering with him, participating with him for the cause of the gospel. In fact, if you remember down in verse 15 where he says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared, 
No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. This is a church that has been faithful to participate with Paul in the gospel by financially supporting him since the beginning. Back in chapter 1 of Philippians, you recall in verse 5 where he's offering prayer and his and joy and his every prayer for them. He says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. They have been supporting Paul, caring for Paul the best way they knew how. There was a period of time when they weren't able to do that. We don't know exactly why it is, but when the opportunity presented itself again to them, the church at Philippi jumped on this opportunity, and Paul is commending them for this because he's saying to them, when you send this financial gift to me through Epaphroditus, you actually are sharing with me. You're joining with me. You're partnering with me. This church has been doing this since the moment the church began back in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 16. When Paul was preaching the gospel and a lady by the name of Lydia was converted in her household and they came to know Christ, she invited Paul and his companions into their home where there she cared for them. It is as we see here, it was this church that even once Paul left the church at Philippi, he goes on to Thessalonica and he goes on to other places that they're able to follow him and they're sending financial help to Paul in his ministry. And as we read a few weeks ago, what did this allow Paul to do? This allowed Paul to devote himself to the studying and the preaching and the sharing of the gospel and the word of God. Because when Paul would go to some places, he would need to, to work to meet his financial needs and to meet the needs of some of those that were there with him as a part of his team that was traveling around. But whenever the, the church at, at Philippi and their gifts arrived there, Paul was able to step back and to devote himself full time to that preaching and teaching of the word of God and the sharing of the gospel. But notice what Paul says there very carefully. He says, you have shared in my affliction. You have shared in my affliction. Beloved, I want you to understand this even applies, I would see this applying to even more than financial giving. I would see this applying even in, to how when you give of your time, when you give your presence to someone, just to be there, that you are sharing in their life. You're sharing in whatever it is that they are going through. Whether you provide a meal or just, again, your presence is there. When I, I think about uh, when, when loved ones pass away and our, our church is there to minister to them and to, to provide food for them, we are sharing in their affliction. We're sharing in their sorrow and what it is that they're, they're going through. We're providing something for them and loving them in that way. Just your very presence does that. And always remember that when, when your presence is there, you are participating. 
You're participating in, in what it is that they're either celebrating or they're participating in whatever it is that they're going through of sorrow or, or just some, some concern in their life. If it's even presence at a hospital, presence at a, at a funeral, presence at a, at a wedding, whatever it is, you are participating in that. You are expressing your love and your concern. You're expressing your, your, your will with them. You're sharing with them in this occasion what it is that they're facing in their life. But I also want you to think about it in this way. When Paul says there, you have shared with me in my affliction. Obviously, one aspect of that is they're sharing in the affliction that Paul personally is going through. As I've said to you in previous messages here in Philippians 4, remember Paul's in prison. Uh, Paul is not able to work, but yet Paul has to pay for his own lodging there in prison. He has to pay for his own food there in prison. Paul is responsible for taking care of himself financially, even though he's in prison. And they're now sharing with him in his affliction and what it is that he is going through. But it was even more than that for the church at Philippi. They shared in his affliction in that they gave sacrificially to Paul. They joined in the affliction themselves. This is not a rich church. This is a church that is struggling even itself financially. And yet they gave faithfully. They gave sacrificially. Just to see this for a moment, if you will, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth to be generous in their giving. And he uses the churches in Macedonia, and one of the primary churches that would be would be the church at Philippi, that's in the area of Macedonia. And he says there, beginning in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 8, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, they are in great ordeal of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor or participation and the support of the saints. And this not only as we expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. This is the church at Philippi. This is a church that is struggling in deep poverty themselves, but they're begging for the opportunity and notice to share, to participate in the lives of the saints, in the lives of Paul, in the lives of those that are proclaiming the gospel. They didn't just want to give according to their ability. They wanted to go beyond that. But notice where this starts. This starts in our heart. This starts, as Paul says there in verse 5, when they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. It's when the person has given their heart to Christ 
first and foremost for salvation, but when also even as believers, we, we give ourselves over to the Lord. We give ourselves over to the cause of the gospel. Paul says they gave themselves to the Lord and they gave themselves to us. That they just wanted to be a part of what it is that was going on. Faithfully, sacrificially giving. This reminds me of the story we find in the Gospels. Jesus, remember, tells the story of that widow woman who gave out of her poverty, not out of her abundance. She gave out of her poverty. The Lord making reference to that before his disciples. Now notice what Paul says about this. Go back to Philippians 4. He says, nevertheless, you have done well. You have done well to share with me in my affliction. To do something well here, Paul is saying, it is a noble and very beautiful act. A very noble and beautiful thing you have done here. You have joined in the work of the cause of Christ. And it is well done. He, he wanted to encourage them. He wanted them to know that yes, he was content in Christ and that the gift would never have arrived for them for him. He would have been content in Christ. But he wanted them to know you have done well in sending forth this gift to share in my affliction. You see, beloved, one of the most beautiful and noble things that we all have the opportunity to do is to give. We can't all preach. We can't all teach. We can't all lead in the church. We can't all sing in the church. Well, that's right. We can't all even give the same amount in the church. But we can all give faithfully and sacrificially. And what Paul is saying is when we do that, and when they did this, this was a noble, beautiful thing where he could say, well done. Well done, church at Philippi. Well done in what it is that you have provided. You see, beloved, this is a partnership. It is a, it is a partnership. Every pastor is partnering with their congregation. And every congregation is partnering with their pastor and with the missionaries and the men of God that they support that are going out and proclaiming the gospel. When you think about the partnership that is here, a partnership between you and a partnership between me as the pastor. It is a partnership that is there because you go out every day and you work hard. Or you did work hard and now you're retired, but you have put the years in. You're putting time in now and you're investing your time and your energy. You're investing the gifts and the abilities that God has given you and you spend hours and hours and hours doing that. And then you come and you give to the church. And you give with an expectation of there's a partnership here saying that we are going to do this because 
The pastor is going to be spending the time and the hours in laboring in the prayer and laboring in the Word of God. That he will have that time to, to spend those hours there before the Lord, seeking the Lord's face, praying on their behalf, studying to come and proclaim the gospel to teach them, instruct them from the Word of God. There is a partnership that is there. And how it works together. The same thing with those that we would support as missionaries. That we work and we serve as a church and we provide funds for them with an expectation that they're going to be faithful to the cause of the gospel. We share in their life. We share in their ministry. I want you to look with me for just a moment. Look over in 3 John. Go towards the back of your Bible. I want you to go to 3 John, a little short epistle. It's only 15 verses. But in 3 John, this subject comes up again through the pen of the Apostle John. And he's writing to a particular man in the church by the name of Gaius. And he's really complimenting Gaius. And one of the things that he compliments him about is how he has been one who has faithfully supported those that are proclaiming the gospel, the ministers of the gospel. He says there beginning in verse 5, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially when they are strangers. And they have testified to your love before the church. And notice the similar language here. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Here it is that John is commending this man Gaius because he is a man who has done well. Because he has helped to send some men who, have, who, who came to their church and came to their area. And he's, they're strangers because these are traveling preachers and they're moving on to other areas. But whenever they came through, Gaius knew these men to be faithful men of God. And he supported them. And he helped send them on their way in a manner that was worthy of God. And that's talking there about supporting them and supporting them financially. He says, these are men who have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, this is what we ought to do. And that oughtness there is speaking about this is a moral obligation that we have to support such men. Because when we support such men, he says, we are now working with the truth. We're now fellow workers. We're fellow workers with the truth. Again, beloved, that's why this is, this is so important as we're thinking about this partnership and this relationship that is here and why it is so important. Because you stop and you think about it. Your giving to the church is meeting the needs of, of missionaries that are going out. And it's meeting the needs of, 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 of your pastor. 
And you're sharing in His life when you do this. And this is why this is so critical when we think about this. Because, and let me just say this. This is something I was reminded of at the the pastor's conference that I went to. The most important thing that you do all week is to be here on Sunday. Is to be here on Sunday. You say, why is that? Because of this. Because... Though throughout the week and every day, I hope that you are spending time with the Lord. I hope you're in prayer before the Lord. I hope you're opening up your Bible every day and you're reading God's Word and you're studying God's Word on your own. But when you stop and you think about it, how much time do you get to put studying, praying, thinking through the Word of God throughout the week? How much time do you get to do that? And think about that in comparison to the time that I get to do that. I get to spend 30 hours, however many hours it is, a week in prayer, studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, studying through things, feeding my mind on these things to come now and present these things to you. So you see, for your own spiritual benefit, the greatest thing you can do is to be here because this is where you're going to have someone speaking truth to you that has spent hours upon hours upon hours doing that. Hardly anyone else will have the time to do that. That's what I mean by that. That's why I say it's a partnership That you're going out and working your tails off and you're working hard to provide for your family but also to come and to say, I want to provide for here and for those men that are going out, as Paul says, for the sake of the name. It is something that we're ought to do. Every church should aspire to support those who preach the gospel. To go out and be fellow workers with the truth. And one of the ways that we can do that and should do that is by our faithful, sacrificial giving. And when you do, beloved, you are joining in and sharing in the work. When you give faithfully to our church, though you may not ever step foot in the children's department, you are sharing in the work of the children's department. You're sharing in that. You're supporting that. You're joining in that. In every aspect of it. In the other areas of our church, when you just give to our church and then that money is used in these different areas, that's one of the ways that you support and you share and partner in that ministry. Now let's go back. Philippians 4. And one other thing I want us to see that Paul says about their giving and why it was such a blessing is because it was an act of worship. That when we give, we are worshiping God together. We are worshiping God together. Look over in verse 18. He says, look, I have received everything in full. It is paid in full. It's like he's sending back through Epaphroditus a receipt 
saying, paid in full. I have an abundance. I am amply supplied. I have received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And notice then how he describes this financial gift that they gave to him. He says what it is that you have sent, it's a fragrant aroma. It's an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Beloved, that is language for worship. That is language for worship. And what's interesting is when you look back at Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, you find that Paul uses that same language to talk about Christ. In Ephesians 5, 2, he says that, that Christ gave himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. As Christ gave himself up for us. Beloved, when you give, you are giving up of yourself. As I said, you go and invest your life and your work and the things you're doing, and now you're giving up of yourself. And he's describing this as a fragrant aroma, something that is an acceptable sacrifice. That should draw your attention back to the Old Testament when the people were required to come and to give an offering, to bring a sacrifice there to be, to be slaughtered. This was an act of their worship. And Paul is saying, when you sent this gift, your giving to me was an act of worship. And it was well-pleasing in the sight of God. We want to know what is the will of God? What's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for our church? is to be faithful, sacrificial givers. Because when we do that with a heart that is cheerful before the Lord, we can know, as Paul says here in Ephesians in Philippians 4, that we are worshiping God, and that is something that is well-pleasing in the sight of God. So, beloved, it is appropriate for us to refer to the time that we give in our church services as the offering and that we pass the offering plates because it is an offering. It is an act of worship. And when one gives as the people of Philippi gave of themselves first and gave themselves to the Lord and gave themselves to Paul and gave of themselves financially here. It is something that is acceptable in the sight of God. It is something that is well-pleasing to God. It is something that comes across to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. Do you remember whenever Noah got off of the boat after the flood and he gets off of the boat and what is the first thing that Noah does? He worships God and he comes and he offers up these animals as sacrifice before the Lord and it says it is this sweet smelling aroma that arises before God. And that's what God is saying to us when we come and we give Financially. As it says in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 3 9, it says, Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all your produce. When you look back in the book of Genesis and you look back at in Genesis chapter 4 and the story of Cain and Abel, yes, when you read through that story and you see these are two men who came to worship God. Two brothers, 
who came to worship God. They came to worship the same God. They both had grown up in the same home, had the same teachings. And remember, God had regard for Abel personally and for his offering and sacrifice, and he did not have regard for Cain and for his offering before the Lord. And yes, at the main point of that is, is because Cain chose to approach God on Cain's terms instead of through God's terms, which was coming and offering a blood sacrifice before the Lord. He did not come by faith. But also, beloved, when you read through that story, what you find there is, is that Cain came with a, a bad attitude before God. As I just said, read a moment ago from Proverbs 3, it says, Come for the first of all your produce. Honor the Lord from your wealth. Cain didn't do that. When you read through the story, what you see is, is Cain brought the leftovers to God. And Cain just basically just went out there and, and he was a tiller of the ground and brought some of his produce and just basically said, Here you go, God. Here you go. I know I'm supposed to come before you. And so I went out and got something and I, I brought it and here it is and you ought to accept this. And God said, I don't accept it. And God said, I don't accept you. But if you read through that story, you'll notice very carefully that God, even there, showed mercy and grace toward Cain and gave Cain the opportunity to repent. In fact, God provided the sin offering for Cain. It was there at the door for him to do with what he will. But Cain walked away from it because his heart was not really there to worship God. And he walked away. So beloved, our giving, our worship does reflect our hearts. It does reflect our relationship with Christ. I'm reminded, if you will, look over for just a moment, go over to the book of Hebrews and go to Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. That's one way that we offer up praise to God. But notice he goes on to say in verse 16, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Again, God is pleased. When we don't neglect doing good, when we don't neglect sharing, with what it is that God has so graciously provided to us. That when we come and offer such sacrifices to God, He is pleased. So understand it this way. A part of our coming ready to worship, to partner together in worship is by coming ready to give. That is an act of worship. That is a part of our worship service, our worship time together. 
where we're all giving from my heart of joy and trust and love for Christ. Not trying to earn points with God. Not trying to earn favor with God. I mean, beloved, your position with God is secure and settled. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, God is pleased with you because He's pleased with His Son. And that pleasure that God has in you as, as His child now is there and it's permanent. But that doesn't mean, as we see in other places, that, that God is not well pleased with us when we do things that He wants us to do and wants us to do them for His honor and His glory out of a trust in Christ. All through Christ. So let me just ask you this in closing this this morning. First and foremost, have you given yourself to God? Have you given yourself to the Lord? That's the most important thing. Have you given your heart to Christ? Have you submitted to the Lordship of Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior Savior and Lord? Remember what we read there a moment ago in Ephesians 5 where Paul says Christ offered Himself up as a sacrifice that was well-pleasing in the sight of God. And understand, beloved, unless you're in Christ... Unless you are in Christ, please hear me on this. Unless you have truly put your faith in Christ, you can come and give every Sunday. And you can give the most money in this church. But understand, if you're not in Christ, God looks at that the same way He looked at Cain. And He says, I'm not pleased with that. I don't accept that and I don't accept you. But if you will turn from that and put your faith in Christ and put your trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then God will say, I am now fully pleased with you through my Son, Jesus Christ. You're forgiven of all your sins and my, the righteousness of my Son is imputed to you and I look at you through Him. So now come and give and give out of our heart of joy and thankfulness for what it is I have done. That's where it starts. And I hope that is true for you. If it's not this day, I would plead with you this morning. I would plead with you this very moment. Put your faith in Christ. But secondly, I want to encourage you to just be faithful in your giving. Because now you see that when you do that, you are now actually joining in the work for the gospel, you become a fellow worker in the gospel. Fellow workers with all the different ministries of this church. Fellow workers with the missionaries that we support. And it is also a way in which you worship the Lord when we gather together. That you just want to worship Him. And you know, according to what we read there in Philippians 4.18, that when you come with a heart that's given to the Lord and you just give faithfully and sacrificially to the Lord, that God's well pleased with that. He is well pleased with it. 
Whether you're someone that gives $100 or $50 or whatever, the amount's not the issue. The issue is your heart. Have you given yourself to the Lord? Have you given yourself over to the cause of the gospel? And you just come here with a heart that is cheerful to give, wanting to worship God in your giving. That's what the Lord is asking. And I pray that it's how you will respond in your giving. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.